Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Pastor Matt. Um, before I get into um, this message, and uh, we're going to finish this, this teaching up um, this morning, uh, I want to uh, let you know about something that's going on in a bunch of churches all over southern Monmouth County and Ocean County. This weekend, a bunch of us pastors have agreed to address an issue with our congregations. And uh, some of you might remember last year on Memorial Day weekend, we did the same thing. Um, those of you that live in this area, live in either Southern Monmouth County or Northern Ocean County, Central Ocean County, um, you may be very much aware that there's been a very steady, dangerous rise in anti-Semitism in this area. Uh, there's no use us denying it. It's, it's, it's true. It's happening. Um, a lot of people, and some of you may be directly impacted by this. There has been an influx of the Orthodox Jewish community that has moved into this area. And... Um, um, with that, some people have responded very negatively. We understand there are problems. There are some uh, organizational problems. There's some problems in the way things are being organized in cities and things of this nature. We're not denying that. But to res- respond or to react with anti-Semitism of any kind, of any kind of racism like that, or any type of hatred, uh, is not what Christians are supposed to be about. Amen. Amen. And you might be saying, yeah, but you don't live in my neighborhood. I, 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 I know I don't, uh, but I do live in a neighborhood. And uh, it can happen any place because people deserve to live where they want to live. Okay, now I know that wasn't going to go over real big because whenever you have any influx of overbuilding, regardless of whether it represents one ethnic uh, community or it's just diversity in general of different people moving into an area, there's going to be problems. There's going to be problems with... Uh, busing kids, and there's going to be problems with overbuilding, there's going to be problems with code violations. This happens everywhere. It doesn't happen just because one group of people decided to come to this community. But what you have to realize is this. We're bound to, to, to a Bible. We're bound to God's promises. And God said to Abraham thousands of years ago, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. The last thing you want to get involved is in anti-Semitism. Any group all over the world that's ever throughout history gotten involved in anti-Semitism, it didn't go well for them. Why? Because there is a God who watches over Israel. Okay? So we, we do not stand for any type of racism, any type of hatred, anything like that. Should there be dialogue? Absolutely. So, so reach out to your representatives. Reach out to the people in whatever community you're in, whatever the leadership is. And, and urge them to get involved in dialogue to settle some issues so that it doesn't become a crisis. But do not participate, especially on Facebook. Please do not participate in any type of anti-Semitism. And truthfully, it, it, it just, I'm shocked sometimes when I see Christians uh, posting stuff on Facebook, endorsing this anti-Semitism. Um, and, and many of you are not, probably not aware that over a year ago, the FBI started to investigate different groups in this area because the federal government themselves were becoming alarmed at the amount that they saw online of, 
of threats and death threats and uh, outright, some of you may be aware of some of the, the, the acts that have taken place in Tom's River, in Lakewood, um, I believe even in Howell Township, there's been desecration of synagogues and garbage thrown at people as they're walking down the streets on Friday night or Saturday mornings going to synagogue. How would you like it if the, if the table was turned and it was us that were under persecution? And then do you ever think and consider, because we always have to look at things but in the big picture. God doesn't look at little things. God looks at the big picture. Is it possible that God's allowing this influx of this community to come to this area because it's easier for them to hear the truth about Jesus here rather than in the enclaves up in Brooklyn and New York and stuff where they never get, they're never exposed to people outside? Did we ever consider that it's possible? You know, I believe that's one of the major things behind immigration in general. There, and none of our relatives could have possibly heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in the countries that our families came from. The chance of them hearing the gospel was very, very, very slim. But now they come to this country. My relatives came to this country. Your relatives came. I doubt very much if there's anybody in here that's more than the third generation in this country. Okay? We are the result of immigration coming to the, to the United States. Now, I'm not saying, listen to me, and I know I'm going to get some people aggravated. I'm not saying knock all the fences down. We need order. There needs to be things done in decency and order, okay? But let's raise our eyes up and realize that God is wanting every person on this earth to be impacted by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so that Jesus could return again. So please, if you've fallen into the trap of maybe being in amongst a group of peers that it's fashionable to be anti-Semitic, Please, please, stop that for your sake. Stop that, okay? You want God's blessing on your life. You don't want God, you don't, you don't want to become an enemy of God, okay? And God does not look good on those people that persecute the Jews, okay? It's never gone good for them, all right? I know it's a controversial thing, and I know some of you people might even be happy that I'm addressing this. I'm bound to my responsibilities as a pastor, and as a representative of the Word of God. Amen? It's not right for us to hate anybody. It's not right for us to try to exclude anybody. God wants His love and His Word to impact every, every, every life on this earth. Amen? Amen? Good. Can I move on now? Thank you. We're talking about foundations. Foundations are extremely important. They're extremely important to any structure, any building, but we're talking about in a spiritual sense, Foundations are extremely important in our spiritual life. Now, I've, I've had this urgency that came over me about a month ago to teach this, to teach the foundations of our faith. Okay, and I'll explain a little bit more about that. Uh, and, and one of the main reasons why I'm realizing this is because, you know, things happen subtly over the years, and then all of a sudden you turn back and go, wait a second, how did we go from there to here? And it just, it, things happen in, in, in very subtle increments, and, and this decision is made, and that decision, and we leave this out, and we forgot about this, and forgot about And then sooner or later, you realize your life is very, very different. Well, look, I'm determined that what's happening and what has happened amongst many Christian groups, many churches, many denominations is not going to happen here. We are not going to leave the foundations of our faith. We are not going to depart from the basic building blocks that the Bible tells us we are to hold on to as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I decided to do 
was uh, last week we started this. If you weren't here, please go online and go listen to the message from last week. Watch the, watch the message. Um, just take our basic 11 tenets, tenets of faith that we as New Beginnings Christian Church believe are the important cornerstone. I can't have more than one cornerstone. Uh, the important building blocks of the foundation of our faith. Amen? Amen? So last week we started going through them. I only made it to the first four. I'm going to review them very quickly. But let's, let's look at what Jesus said about foundations. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. Say, it did not fall. And the reason it didn't fall is because it was built on the rock. Amen? Amen. Verse 26, but everyone who hears the sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it fell and great was its fall. Amen? So the only difference between the two results of building a house where the one that stood in the storm as opposed to the one that fell and crashed was the foundation. And foundations are extremely important. So let's get into this. Um, uh, I'm trusting that in this service, I'm going to have time to go into a little bit more detail on the new material. But let me just cover the first four that we covered last week very quickly for those of you who are not here. Number one, we believe that the Bible is God's word. It's not that it contains God's word. It is God's word. From the very first word to the last word, inspired by God written by men who were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Amen? It means that it's, we, we believe that it's accurate. We believe it's authoritative. We believe that it's applicable to our everyday lives. So that's bottom line. The Bible is God's word. That's it. Number two, we believe in one eternal God. He exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you weren't here last week and you didn't hear me go through this verse, I'll repeat it again for you. Uh, just, uh, uh, just looking at that scripture, you say, well, what does that have to do with what you're talking about, Pastor? Well, in English, it doesn't. But if we go back and read this in the original language, this is what it says. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And the word Elohim is a plural word. It is not a singular word. It does not refer to one individual. It refers to the... The Trinity, one God, three persons, God the Father, God the, God the Holy Spirit, okay? We believe that. We know there are some groups, and some groups in particular, I don't want to go into a whole bunch of controversial things here, but there are some very, very, very influential people that you're watching on television that will never tell you they don't believe in the Trinity, okay? There are denominations that do not believe in the Trinity. They believe in God the Father. But they do not believe that God exists as God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, so be careful who you're listening to. Do some research, all right? Uh, let's talk about this. Because people will say, and some of you might be saying now, well, the word Trinity doesn't exist in the Bible. You're right, it doesn't exist in the Bible. But the concept does. Here, in the very first verse of Scripture, we see God presenting himself in a pluralistic nature, not singular, Okay? Now, consider this. Jesus at the baptism, his baptism. Picture the scenario. You've got Jesus in the water, yes? yes. 
A voice comes from heaven from the Father. So we have God the Father and we got Jesus in the water. And then the Holy Spirit comes and hovers upon him. What do we have? The Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now there's some other groups that popped up on the scene about 150 years ago. Another one about 125 years ago popped up on the scene. Very, very active. Knock on your door on Saturday mornings. Okay? They do not believe in the Trinity and do not believe that Jesus is God. Okay? Which is a problem. Because if you don't believe Jesus is God, then Jesus is a man. That means that if they're, if they're right, then God received the death of a man as payment for your sins. And that's not possible. Are you listening to me? There's only one Lamb of God that came and took away the sins of the world. But now, now watch this now. If Jesus was not God, then Jesus deserved to be crucified as a blasphemer. Why? Because Jesus received worship as God. He never stopped anybody from worshiping him. Yet we see Peter, people try to worship Peter and he, he forbid them. We see angels, people try to worship angels and angels forbid them from worshiping. But Jesus never forbid them from worshiping him. Right? Okay. So this is a basic belief here. We believe in the Trinity. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. He's not a wind. He's not a force. He's not a flame. He's a person. Amen? Amen? Okay. Number three, we believe that sin has separated each of us from God and his purpose for our lives. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 states it very clear. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Number four, we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one who can reconcile us to God. Now, this came out of Jesus' mouth himself. In John chapter 14, verse 6, it's recorded for us that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I don't know how you can misunderstand that one. He's saying very clear. He didn't say, I am one of the ways. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And if you're going to get to the Father, you're going to have to go through him. Amen. There is no, no other way to be forgiven. There's no other way to, to get back into relationship with the Father. There's no other way to live forever, okay? If you entertain, I, I recognize that, that many people have fallen under these philosophies that have been developed, especially over the past few hundred years, okay? Uh, some of the most dangerous philosophies that have, ever, that have ever affected mankind have taken root over the past 150 some odd years, 150, 200 years. The philosophies that led to Nazism, the philosophies that led to evolutionary thought, the philosophies that have led to humanistic uh, thinking that affects our country. And so especially now, you see, years ago, when, when this country, especially in Western Europe, were pretty much Christianized, there was not a lot of exposure to other religions, especially Eastern religions. But all of a sudden, in the past hundred years, the West has become very much exposed to Many of these philosophies from Eastern religion, reincarnation, uh, the divinity of man, it's just, you know, that, no, we didn't have to deal with any of this stuff until about 150 years ago. And so those philosophies have crept in, and unfortunately, it's crept into even some Christian churches. And there's some, this morning, right now, as we're sitting here, there are some denominational Protestant churches that are teaching that Jesus is not the only way that you can come through Allah, or you can come through Buddha, or you can come through Muhammad, or Confucius had things to say. And so what you end up having is a confused bunch of people who have no security in their future. And it's contrary to the truth. So if you've fallen prey to that many roads lead to God thing, 
you're going to need to really go to God and ask him about that because it is completely contrary to this verse of scripture that, that we have here recorded that Jesus. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. Amen. We believe that. Amen? Yeah. Number five, we believe that in order to receive forgiveness, now we're starting the new ones now. Number five here. We believe that in order to receive forgiveness and the new birth, we must repent of our sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to submit to his will for our lives. In John chapter 3, verse 3, we have an interesting uh, conversation that takes place. There's a gentleman named Nicodemus. He's one of the rulers, one of the uh, leaders in the religious uh, system there in Jerusalem. He's a member of the Sanhedrin, which is like the Supreme Court. Uh, he's an important man, a well-known man. He's intrigued with this Jesus. And so what he does is he, he comes at night when nobody else would know that he's there because they had already made a decision that if anybody put their faith in Jesus to be the Messiah, that person would be excommunicated, could not come to the temple, could not be part of Judaism. So with that type of uh, threat hanging over his head, he sneaks out one night and meets Jesus, probably in the Mount of Olives, because Jesus liked to hang out. And so a conversation begins, and as it happens with religious individuals, when you start a conversation with a person who's been steeped in religion, right away they want to pull out all the religious cards and tell you what they know. And I mean, I've had that happen so many times in, in my life since I got born again, you know, trying to sit down and talk to, let's say, uh, uh, another Catholic, and me being a Catholic, you know, it's easy for me to be able to speak to another Catholic because I understand how, how we think and what we believe and all this other kind of stuff. And it's inevitable when you sit down with somebody in that background, maybe some of you have had that experience, all of a sudden they want to drag Mary into the scene, they want to tell you about all the saints and about this saint for this thing and that saint for that thing and, you know, I had coffee with this saint last week and I'm really close and, you know, all about this stuff. And so what happens up happens is you become very religious and very intellectual. Are you listening? You understand? Have you had that experience? Okay. So that's what's happening with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is intrigued. He wants to know about Jesus, but the religious side is coming out, and so he wants to start this religious conversation, and Jesus goes like this. Time out, Nick. Let's cut through all the, all the smoke here. Let's get to the real, the real situation. And so we pick up here in John 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now Nicodemus shoots back with a very common sense question. Nicodemus is not an infant. He says to Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he answer a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You say, well, okay, now you really got me confused. What are you talking about born of water and born of the spirit? Well, born of water is equated with natural childbirth. We come into, we're all born into this world naturally. Amen? None of you that are sitting here came from a starship someplace. Okay? You came into the, you're on this planet because you were born of a woman. Amen? Amen. If you were not, let me see your hand. Okay. So Jesus is saying, look, here's the way it is, Nicodemus. You've got to be born naturally, and then you need to be born supernaturally. We are born into this world through the natural process of childbirth, but we are born into heaven through the supernatural process of the new birth. You got it? In order to be, listen now, watch this. In order to be a legal, a legal resident of the earth, you must be born of water. You're born naturally. In order to be a legal resident of heaven, 
You must be born again. There needs to be a spiritual rebirth, okay? You got it? Okay, good. Now, watch this. The devil hates this. And that's why there's always so much controversy when you mention that phrase, born again. Before you got born again, when somebody mentioned born again to you, you went, oh God, another cult. You're those crazy people. You raise your hands, you speak in different languages. You're, you're, you, know, you go to church and stay there for three hours and all this other kind of stuff, right? Why does the devil hate this concept of being born again? Why does, he, why does he promote such confusion? It's because he cannot be neither born again nor born of water. Jesus, the reason why Jesus had to be born of a virgin is because Jesus, God Almighty, had to have a legal position on this earth. So he had to be born of a virgin to be able to have the legal right to stand on this earth and to influence us. The devil would have loved nothing more to do, but he could not. It's not available to him. So the enemy goes around, and, and those with him, those that belong to, with him, the angels that are fallen, what activity does the enemy conduct himself the most in? To try to possess the body of a human being. Why? Because he's always wanted to come into this earth legally and cannot. It is not available to him. This is the reason why God could just not show up as God. God needed to show up as man. Okay? For him to, watch it again now, watch. For him to come legally into the earth, he had to be born into the earth. For you and I to come legally into heaven, we've got to be born into heaven. Are you catching this? That's why Jesus said, you must be born again or you're not going to see the kingdom of God. If you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. You getting this? When a person dies that has not been born again and refuses and rejects salvation, they not only experience physical death, separation from the body, but they experience the second death, which is eternal death. When a person has submitted themselves to Christ, declared their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and has been born again, your spirit becomes alive unto God. You're connected to God. You die once. You only face the separation of your spirit from the flesh. You do not experience the second death. That's good news, isn't it? So those of you that have not yet gotten born again, do not waste any time. Get yourself born again. Amen? We can pray for you at the end of the service. So we're talking about here, we believe, because Jesus placed this emphasis, that a person must be born again. Every one of us had that opportunity. The choice is yours. The choice was mine. I took that choice. Many others in this room have, have made that choice and received Christ. Amen? We're told the scriptures are, are clear, and I'm going to teach about this. In fact, the Lord gave me a message during praise and worship. I went and read it down. Wrote it, read it down. Listen to me. Wrote it down that I'm going to probably start uh, maybe Father's Day. Okay? Talking about repentance. It's an extremely important topic that we don't talk enough about it, all right? But we are supposed to repent. What does it mean to repent? What does it mean? Does it mean that you're supposed to uh, wear clothing that's itchy and you're not supposed to eat and you're supposed to go around and tell everybody how bad you are? No, that's what religious people do and they still don't change, okay? Repentance is turning around and going in a different direction. Repentance is allowing 
the word of God to change the way you think or to change your perspective about a situation. Okay, that's why, here's why, see, you get born again, let's say you get born again, your spirit inside becomes alive unto God, but your soul still wants to do the old stuff, still wants to get involved in sin, still wants to be rebellious, still wants to have its own way. It's because your soul now needs to be brought into this pattern of change through repentance. So what happens? Okay, so uh, maybe when you first got born again, you still did not have a problem with specific conduct in your life. But then one day you read in the Bible and the Bible says, mm, this is sin, we're not supposed to really do this. And now you start realizing, go, okay, well, I need to make a choice here. Okay, well, I'd rather choose Jesus. So God, help me to change my perspective about this particular conduct in my life. Okay? And, and then the change takes place. So then it's natural. Nobody has to come to your house and put a gun to you and say, you're not doing that anymore. And that doesn't work anyway, because as soon as a person leaves your house with the gun, you're going to go back and do it again, okay? So uh, it's that process of change. It's a process of seeing things very differently than you saw them before and allowing the Holy Spirit to open up your eyes to the way God sees things, amen? Number six, this is an important one. We believe that in order to live holy, a holy, fruitful life that God intends for us, that we need to be baptized in water and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's two different things. Two different things. Say to me, there's water baptism. Water baptism. I'm going home. Come on, let's go home. I'm done. There's water baptism. And then there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Two different things. Water baptism is for the believer when they first get born again. Okay? Baptism of the Holy Spirit is for the believer after they get born again. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not available to people before. Now, a person can get baptized and not be born again. But some of you are not going to do anything. You, every one of us were baptized probably as babies. How many of you were baptized as an infant? Did it change you? No. You were just a wet baby, that's all. Now, when a person gets baptized that has not yet been born again, they're nothing but a wet sinner. Okay? The water doesn't change anything. It might shrink your clothes, but it doesn't change anything. Okay? You must be born again first, then water baptized. Okay? Now, there is something that happens to us spiritually when we're water baptized. Okay? The water baptism that we believe that we're supposed to conduct and participate in is the baptism that we see in the New Testament church. And even according to the original language, it's not throwing a cup of water on somebody. It's not sprinkling somebody with water. It needs to be full immersion. Has anybody seen a New Testament baptism, full immersion? Have you ever seen a person? Okay. So what happens is a person it has to be fully immersed in water. All right? This is according to the scriptures. All right? And that doesn't mean that if a person dies and doesn't, they're going to go to hell. That's not what it means. Okay, but Jesus said that we should get baptized. He gave that command. Matthew 28 told him, go into all the nations, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? So what happens? Well, the New Testament teaches us that when we were baptized, we were buried just like Christ was buried into the ground. We are immersed in the water. And just as Jesus Christ rose from the dead, we rise out of the waters of baptism into almost the same symbolic uh, picture as the resurrection. 
okay? So it's symbolizing, uh, this is who I used to be. I am now involved, I'm now being immersed in Christ. When I come up now, I am, I am, I'm entering into that baptism in Christ. Amen? You got it. So, how many people have never been baptized that way? Let me see your hands. Come on, don't be afraid. I'm not going to pull you out and do it now. There's no water here. <laughs> how many have never been baptized according to New Testament scriptures? Let me see your hands. Okay, this is important to do. It's important to do. I know when I got baptized, I came out of that water like, oh, man, something changed. Something, I could feel it in here. Something, something was different. Listen, we've got a baptism at the end of June. When you leave here today, go out there and go to the, the hub out there in the lobby and ask them about how to get registered for water baptism, okay? You're going to go to a class because we want you to fully understand what you're getting involved in. But let me tell you this, you won't be the same after that water baptism. Now, subsequent to salvation is a secondary experience for every believer, and it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to go into details today because I'm going to teach in depth in two weeks on June the 9th, that weekend, we'll be celebrating Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is a holiday that takes place 50 days after Easter, 50 days exactly from the resurrection. It's, it's, it's a, a, one of the Jewish feasts, okay? It's called Shavuot. It's celebrated 50 days after Passover, okay? Actually, 50 days after first fruits, which is two days after Passover. Okay, you don't need to know that. But in, in two weeks from now, I'm going to teach in great depth on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which entered into our experience on the day of Pentecost, okay? Acts chapter 2 says, um, uh, in verse 4, when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples on that Pentecost Sunday, okay, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability, okay? Now, some of you, and I'm not going to ask to show of your hands because I, it's probably less now than it was in the first service, uh, some of you were raised in a church or a denomination that taught you that the gifts of the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit was very real back then, but it stopped after the last of the apostles died, okay? Have any of you been taught that? Have any of you heard that teaching? You did, you did. The rest of you haven't? Oh, hallelujah. You have, okay. Now, for those of you that have, or maybe you didn't, you don't want to raise your hand, look at verse 38, Verse 38 of Acts chapter 2. Peter's preaching a very short message, probably about 15 minutes, and thousands of people give their life to Christ that day. And he makes this statement about the Holy Spirit. Watch this now. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Water baptism. Next experience. And let's see. Repent and let everyone be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive, here's the second part, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, for the promise, now that word promise pertains to the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I can prove that to you in Galatians. I'll talk about it again uh, in two weeks from now. The promise is always talking about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. All right? For the promise is to, to you, that's the people that were standing there. He's saying, Peter's saying, this promise is for you and to your children. That's the next generation, right? Yes, yes or no? Yes. And to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Amen. Now, let me ask you this question. Did God stop calling anybody? No, no he, he couldn't, because if he did, we wouldn't be here. So Peter's saying, as long as God's calling people, 
you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And many of us have. I pray that the majority of this church comes into that experience because that's when you really start. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the doorway into operating supernaturally as a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Good. We believe in the power and the significance of the church to come together and meet regularly. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. It means we're supposed to be a family, okay? Yes? Yes. Okay, good. All right, number eight. We believe that God wants to heal and transform us so that we can live a healthy life. For what reason? So that we can help others and bless others and preach the gospel. Amen? God wants us healed, all right? Psalm 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17 says that Jesus was going around healing people, healing the sick, healed everybody that came to him. Verse 17, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now watch this now. Matthew is a tax collector. He becomes one of the apostles. He is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is revealing things to him. Matthew states that when he saw Jesus healing the sick, he knew immediately he's fulfilling what Isaiah the prophet wrote, watch this, 700 years before Jesus showed up on earth. Now, what was, what, was, what was it that Isaiah said that Jesus fulfilled when he went about healing people? Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, griefs and sorrows in Hebrew is sickness and physical pains. Why it's translated griefs and sorrows, I have no idea. But if you go look it up in the original language, that's what it says. So it could read this way. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. In other words, he was wounded for our sins. He was bruised for our tendency towards sin. And the punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes were you healed. Now watch this now. Not talking about Jesus didn't have striped pajamas on. It's talking about the wounds that Jesus received on his back when the Romans brutalized him, tortured him, and whipped him. What Isaiah was saying, but by the punishment that he received, he took upon himself all of our diseases, all of our sickness, and by his wounds we are healed. Amen? You got it? Amen. Number nine, we believe that our eternal destination, based on Scripture, is either heaven or hell, and that is determined by your response and my response to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we believe in him? Do we trust him? Are we placing our faith in him for our salvation? That is the only thing that determines where a person spends their eternity, whether they go to heaven or go to hell. Not what you did, what you didn't do, but you don't understand. I pray all the time. I always go to church. I light dozens of candles. I pray all kinds of prayers. I'm I'm constantly giving money to the poor. I'm always buying groceries for people. That's wonderful, and you should continue doing that. But that's not what gets you to heaven. Why? Because it goes back to Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, no matter how good you are. You can't earn salvation. So every human being is going to spend their eternity in one place or the other. I would say, please make the choice now. Choose Jesus. Amen? Number 10, this is the one I like. I want to spend a couple minutes on this. 
We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again just as he promised. Amen? Amen. Acts chapter 1. Jesus is having his last conversation on earth with his disciples. He's about to ascend into heaven. And listen to what he says. What it says. Now when he, was spoken, he had spoken these things, he gave them instructions. While they watched, he was taken up in a cloud and received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood them in white apparel, two angels, also, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Fact is, we believe with all of our heart that Jesus Christ will physically return to the earth just as he promised, and it's probably going to be in our generation, in our lifetime. We're going to see it. They were standing on the Mount of Olives when when this conversation took place. They watched him ascend from the Mount of Olives, and it's to that very spot that he's going to return. Hundreds of years before this, the prophet, a prophet of Israel named Zechariah, wrote this down about that day. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations. Now, if you look in the context, those nations refer to the very nations right now that you can go online, go in, new, go in the news, and watch and look. Syria, Iran, Iraq, Russia, Turkey, Sudan, Libya, all of those countries are named in these prophecies. And every one of those nations right now are ready to attack Israel. And Zechariah said, the Lord will, come for, will go forth on that day and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, half of it toward the south. I challenge you to go home after service. I did this last night, and a few people did, and they contacted me. Go Google earthquake fault lines in Jerusalem, and it will show you that there is a very dangerous, very serious, one of the most, one of the most dangerous fault lines in the Middle East is exactly where the prophet said it would be, from the Mount of Olives all the way west to the Mediterranean Sea. And when that earthquake hits, when Jesus returns and he puts his feet on that mountain, the thing's going to split in half. It's going to be most, one of the most powerful earthquakes in the history of mankind. It says that even mountains will be leveled. And that thing is going to split open and it's going to create a valley and it's going to go all the way to the Mediterranean. At that point, the Mediterranean Sea is going to rush into that valley. And at that point, Jerusalem will become a port city. Amazing thing is going to take place. Amen? Amen? I, love, I love talking about this because here's some of the major signs that, it, that needed to happen. The pastor people have been saying for hundreds of years that Jesus has come back. Yeah, they could have talked about it, but they could never say in this generation. Why? Because there were certain things that had to happen before Jesus could return that had not happened yet. But the major, major, major prophecy that set the clock in motion happened on May the 14th, 1948, when the nation of Israel was declared a nation once again. Prophecies tell us that sets the clock in motion. Then Jesus said the next sign to look for is when Jerusalem would be restored to the Jewish nation. Now, from 1948 until 1967, Jerusalem was was divided. It was half Jewish and part still under the control of the Islamic nations, okay? Now, June 1967, war broke out. 
soldiers rushed into Jerusalem from Israel, took over the entire city, and reclaimed it for the Jews. Second major sign, okay? Now, there are other signs to be fulfilled. And they're in happening, they're in motion right now. Next thing to look for is a peace treaty between Israel that's gonna guarantee Israel's safety and is gonna allow them to build the temple again in Jerusalem. Listen to me, look at me, and don't miss out on this one, okay? When that happens, when you see on the news that they say, okay, the temple's gonna start, come right to church, don't even wait for a phone call. <laughs> come right to church, okay? Because at that point, we could, because you see what has to happen before Jesus returns? He promises that he's gonna take every believer off the earth because all hell breaks loose for a period of three and a half years. Hell, worse than this earth has ever seen. And God's not gonna allow his people to suffer through that. So we are supernaturally taken off, every believer is supernaturally taken off this planet. Okay, that sounds crazy. Where do you think all these science fiction movies get all their ideas from? They're counterfeits of the truth of what's already been told us is going to happen. And you know what the world's going to say? Oh, it was an alien invasion. Well, in a, in a, right there, in a, in a sense, they're right because we're aliens. We don't belong on this planet. We're citizens of heaven. Some of you are looking like, I don't know if I'm coming back to this church. This guy's crazy. <laughs> it's in Scripture. They thought it was crazy when they said, the day's going to come when a baby's going to be born of a virgin. Oh, that's nuts. That could never happen. It happened. In the days of Noah, when Noah said, we got to build a boat, why? Because there's a flood coming. A flood from where? Rain's going to come out of the sky. You're crazy. Because it had never rained before that. Go look at it in Genesis. God created the earth in such a way, the Garden of Eden used to water from underneath. It never rained. There was no reason for rain. When, they, when Noah said, yeah, rain's going to come out of the sky. Oh, yeah, right. Imagine what they would say if they were living in New Jersey in the past couple of months. <laughs> Do you see what I'm talking about? Don't ever say stuff is crazy. The Bible predicts exactly what's going to happen, okay? For 2,000 years, the Jews were out of their own land. When people used to say hundreds of years ago that the Jews would return to Israel, they laughed at them. They laughed at them. And in one day, they were given a nation. You listening to me? He's coming. He's coming. You're going to say it. We're going to say it. And watch. I, I got news for you. I wouldn't be surprised if in the next four years, after the next two years, you're going to see a peace treaty get promoted and get proposed that's going to approach all these things we're talking about. Number 11, and we're wrapping this up. This is it. This is the last one. We believe that the Bible describes marriage as involving one man and one woman and has been initiated by God. It is a God-given thing. It is not something for man to tamper with. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. Then the rib that which the Lord God had taken from man, he, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It is important to note, God initiated the very first concept of marriage right in the Garden of Eden, right in the first chapter. Amen? 
Okay? Uh, marriage comes from God and is a union between one man and one woman joined together in a lifelong commitment to each other, working together to form strong, godly families. Obviously, human beings have not done a good job at this thing of marriage, okay? Uh, the divorce rate is extremely, extremely high. And um, look, that doesn't take away from the original intent, okay? The original intent of God was for marriage to be this relationship that's joined into a bond that is formed between one man, one woman, that's supposed to last for a lifetime. And we understand there's problems that come up, okay? Things happen. Uh, but no government, no group of individuals has the right to tamper with something that God instituted. Amen? Amen. Amen. So why is all these things that we discuss so important? Because without a strong foundation in your life, you're going to live a life that is full of turmoil. You're not going to have, you're not going to be rooted in anything. You're going to be going this way one time. You're going to be going this way another time. You're going to be constantly all over the place. You need a strong spiritual foundation in your life. Now, uh, one thing I will tell you, if you want a copy of these faith statements, all 11 of them, please contact me. You can either reach me on Facebook or you can send an email to the church and it'll get directed to me and I will send you. I already sent a bunch of them out during the night from last night's service. I will send these notes to you and you can have them for yourself. Now, what is, what is the goal? What, why do we need to know this? You know, I, I dumped a lot of information on you here today. Some of it might have been some inspiration, but for the most part, I've just done a information transfer. Okay, now, if you consider New Beginnings to be your church home, then you need to go read through these things and see, do you agree with them? If you find that there's some that you don't agree with, then you, know, you need to come to this fork in the road to realize, okay, uh, am I going to go now research the Bible to see does this actually say what it says? And if it does, then you've got to make the choice. You're either going to believe what the Word of God says or you're going to continue to believe what you say. We're not telling you have to leave the church. Well, nobody leave the church. But understand, if this is your church home, these are our foundational stones. This is what we believe is the foundation of our faith as Christians. Amen? Amen. We welcome any questions that you have, any, any observations, any whatever. Uh, again, if you want a copy of these notes so you can go through them all yourself, um, I don't think you're going to find anything in there. In fact, I'm positive. You're not going to find anything of what I share to be contrary to the Word of God. In fact, you're going to see that there's much more Scripture to support, even beyond the Scriptures that I gave you in support of these things. Amen? We want this church to be strong. We want your life to be strong. We want your marriage to be strong. We want your family to be strong. We want your children to be strong. And in order to do that, there must be a very firm, very stable, strong foundation. Amen? Amen. 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 So listen, if you need prayer for anything, you're welcome to come on up. Um, we'll pray for you. If not, God bless you. Go enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day weekend. And uh, don't forget to be here. Hey, listen, we're here Wednesday nights. Be here on Wednesday night. Great Bible study. Amen? God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.